Welcome back to the Jellybean Medicine Podcast. My name is Steph and I'm a final year medical student with a love for peds. Alongside the Bonn University Pediatric Club, we'll be giving you the rundown of all the high-yield pediatric topics, all based from Australian guidelines. In today's topic, we're looking at the newborn examination. So the aim of today's podcast is to give a run-through from head to toe of the newborn exam, and this is quite an easy OSCE station once you've mastered the checklist. A great resource, especially when preparing for OSCEs, is the Queensland Clinical Guideline flowchart on the newborn baby assessment. Before we get into the examination, let's think about when it's performed and why. The newborn exam is performed initially at birth, and then a full and detailed exam is performed within 48 hours of the birth. The main purpose is to screen for any abnormalities so that early intervention, if needed, can occur. Of course, before taking any examination, always ask a history. So you can split this into two, so the maternal history, which includes details of the pregnancy, complications, family history, risk factors for neonatal infection, and any other concerns from the mother. The newborn history should ask about feeding, passing of meconium, and urination. Let's go through the newborn examination. So starting from the top, let's look at the general appearance of the baby. So a key to examination is observation. Look at their color, look at their perfusion, their alertness, their activity level, their posture, their tone. Do they have any dysmorphic features? Are they in any respiratory distress? The next thing to think about is their growth status. So this includes doing a head circumference, a length and a weight, and then plotting this on the developmental charts. The third part of the newborn exam is looking at the skin. So firstly, looking at the color. Do they have any jaundice? And a red flag for this if there's jaundice before 24 hours of age. You can always check the transcutaneous bilirubin as well. Another thing in terms of color is if they have any central cyanosis and if they look a little bit blue or gray. You can also see if they have any trauma from any instrumental delivery. If they have any rashes, so a very common and benign rash is an erythema toxicum. You can also look for any signs of edema, so edema of the feet can be indicative of Turner syndrome. Other common skin pathology to look out for include cafe lay spots, hemangiomas, and port wine stains. The difference between hemangiomas and port wine stains are that the hemangiomas usually regress and disappear by about seven years of age. With port wine stains, they're usually present from birth and they don't regress. Moving on to the head, face, and neck. So looking at the head, you want to be checking their shape, the size, and the fontanelles. So in terms of the size, do they have a macro or microcephaly? So micro would be less than the second percentile and macro would be greater than the 98th percentile. You can also look for things like caput succedaneum, which is when there's fluid that crosses the suture lines and it's usually due to pressure on the head during delivery. And these resolve within a few days. Then there are things like cephalohematoma, which is when there's blood that's bound by the periosteum and then therefore it doesn't cross the suture lines. So these are more common in instrumental delivery, and an important thing to note here is that it can actually cause or worsen jaundice. Other things to look out for in terms of the head are bulging or sunken fontanelles. So bulging could indicate a raised ICP or a hydrocephalus, and the sunken fontanelles can indicate dehydration. Also look for a subgaleal hemorrhage, which is when there's a fluctuant collection of blood that crosses the suture lines and it can be quite life-threatening. 
Other things include cranial molding, fused sutures, and craniosynostosis, which is when there's a premature fusion of one or more of the sutures in the skull. In terms of the face, you can see if it's symmetrical or if there's any facial palsy. Looking at the eyes, you want to be assessing the size and the position. An important examination for the eyes is looking for the red eye reflex. And the way to do this is you use the ophthalmoscope to look for a red reflection, which is the light reflecting back from a vascularized retina. So when you shine the light in the baby's eye and you can't see that clear red reflection, this is when it's called an absent red eye reflex. It can indicate things like a retinoblastoma, congenital cataract, or corneal scarring. In terms of the eyes, you can also look for epicanthal folds or upward slanting palpable fissures, which could indicate Down syndrome. Moving down to the nose, look for any nasal obstruction or if they have a flat nasal bridge, which could also indicate Down syndrome. Now moving on to the ears, looking at the position, the structure, is there a patent ear canal and are they responsive to noise? Now moving on to the mouth, so we want to be looking at the teeth, the gums, the tongue, the frenulum, do they have a cleft palate? Another thing to look for at the mouth is if they have a small receding chin, also known as micronathia, and this is a sign of Pierre Robin syndrome. Moving down to the neck, look for any masses or swelling, and also look to see if there's any swelling over a fractured clavicle, which could indicate shoulder dystocia. Moving further down to the shoulders, arms, and hands, so looking at the lengths, the proportions, and for any symmetry. Do they have any hypotonia or any palsies, such as herbs or clump keys paralysis? Looking at the hands, count the number of digits, also seeing if they have a single palmar crease pattern, which could indicate Down syndrome, or if they have clinodactyly, which is when they have a curved fifth finger, which is also indicative of Down syndrome. When looking at the chest, it's important to do this opportunistically when the baby is quiet. So obviously real life doesn't mimic a head to toe situation. And so if the baby is quiet in the very beginning of the examination, then you would want to auscultate then. Apart from auscultation, you also want to be looking if they're in respiratory distress, feeling for their pulses, and also looking at their oxygen sats, as this can be indicative of congenital heart defects. Also check that their breast tissue and nipples are normal, and widely spaced nipples could indicate Turner syndrome. So now moving down to the abdomen, again looking at the size, the shape, and the symmetry. Also palpate the liver, spleen, and kidneys and look for any organomegaly. Look the umbilicus and see if it's infected. Other things to look out for in terms of the abdomen are if there's an inguinal hernia, if there's any bilis vomiting, if you can feel undescended testes in the abdomen, and if there's any signs of gastrochesis, which is when there's an abdominal wall defect and intestines or other organs can come out of that. Moving down from the abdomen, it's important that you don't miss the genitourinary system. So in male babies, looking specifically for any hypospadias or hydrocele, and making sure that the testes are palpable as well. In female babies, you want to be looking at their clitoris, labia, and hymen, and checking that there's no ambiguous genitalia, and then looking at the anal position and making sure that it's patent and that there has been passage of urine and stool, especially if it's been more than 24 hours. So moving on to the hips, legs, and feet. So this is where we hear of Ottolani and Barlow's maneuvers, which is what we do for developmental hip dysplasia. 
So Bala's maneuver is when you adduct the hip and apply downward force onto the knee to promote dislocation. So Ottolani's maneuver is quite the opposite. So you're abducting the hip while applying an outward force on the knee to reduce the hip joint. Things to look out for for developmental hip dysplasia are the risk factors. So if the baby was born in a breech position, if they have fixed talipes, fixed flexion deformity, severe oligohydramnios, and a first-degree relative with developmental dysplasia of the hip. Other things to look out for in terms of the legs are the leg length, proportions, and for any symmetry. Also looking for any hypotonia, checking the number of digits of the toes, and also looking for any talipes, which is a club foot. Now moving on to the back, checking the spinal column and skin, and ensuring that there's good curvature of the spine, and that there's no tufts of hair or dimpling along the spine as well. And lastly, moving on to the neurological aspect of the newborn exam. So this is when you look at the baby's muscle tone and any spontaneous movements. And you would also check their reflexes, such as the Moro sucking and grasp reflex. Things to look out for if there's no crying, if the baby's irritable, if there's absent or exaggerated reflexes, if there's seizures or any altered state of consciousness. So you finish the newborn exam, it's important that you discuss the findings with the parent. Afterwards, you want to be doing screening tests. So these include the pulse oximetry test for congenital heart disease. If the result is between 90 and 94%, that's borderline. Or if it's less than 90%, that's a positive result. So these both require a medical review. The second screening test is the newborn blood spot test, which is also called the heel prick test. And basically that tests for a bunch of things, including primary congenital hypothyroidism, cystic fibrosis, phenyl ketonuria, median chain acyl-CoA dehydrogenase, and congenital adrenal hyperplasia. After you've done all the screening tests, it's important that you've documented all of this in the Red Health Record book and that you've organized a referral and follow-up in the next week and also again in six weeks. Now onto the fun part of the episode where we get to test you on two questions on the topic we just covered. So the first question is going to be, what could an absent red eye reflex indicate? So basically any opacity in the eye can produce an abnormal red eye reflex. And a white reflection is actually called leukocoria, and this can mean a congenital cataract, retinoblastoma, or corneal scarring. So if there's an absent red eye reflex, immediate referral to the on-call ophthalmologist is important. The second question is you perform a newborn exam and you hear an audible clunk when you adduct the hip with downward pressure. What maneuver is this and what are some risk factors for this possible condition? So this maneuver is Barlow's and it's testing for developmental dysplasia of the hip. Risk factors for this are breech position, family history, fixed talipes, fixed flexion deformity, and oligohydramnios. I know that was a long episode today, but I wanted to thoroughly cover all the aspects of the newborn examination. As always, if there's a topic you'd like covered, then please shoot us a message via our Instagram at jellybeanmedicine. We'll see you in our next episode on developmental delay.